This is The Playbook. This is Dave Meltzer live at the National here with Entrepreneurs, The Playbook. And I got two of the leading entrepreneurs in the collector space. I have the CEO of The Collectors, Nat Turner, and Brian Ludden, CEO, founder of Ludix. Welcome to The Playbook. How much of the movement today is because of technology and how much is just the momentum and inertia of more people because of COVID or whatever being interested in collecting? Um, yeah, I think it's uh, very much both. I mean, technology wasn't really in the card hobby, I would say five, six years ago. And you'd go around the national and very few, there'd be the manufacturers and dealers, but there'd be very few startups, VC funding. And signings, that's where I made my money. Signings, yeah. <laughs> but very few tech startups, if you will. And now you walk around, I mean, there's probably 20, 30, 40 uh, VC backed Crazy. tech companies. But, um, to, you know, if I had to, you know, put percentages, I'd say most of it, though, I think is just general interest in what, you know, Panini Tops and others, uh, you know, very interesting manufacturing practices, more, um, you know, more access, you know, more cards, getting younger people into it. I think a big part of it's uh, online breaking. Yeah, I think whatnot deserves a ton of credit for when Instagram as well of and YouTube of driving interest through remote breaking. Right. Yeah. Stimulating. Which I think you could say is tech as well, but that's really the biggest. And opinion. Brian, how much of it, it's interesting because I've been in tech a, a long time and I started in a really boring, non-passionate, but specialty of legal research online, which still yielded 3.4 billion in 1995. So it wasn't a bad deal. But there wasn't a lot of people on earth that had a passion for legal research, but yet the technology of Westlaw created huge value. How many people do you think in this space uh, are driven by a childhood passion of collecting and then have applied like Nat, you know, extraordinary skills as an investment banker, as a technologist or whatever the skill set may be. Cause I don't meet many people in the space that don't have a passion or a story of, you know, a trading card in their spokes of their bicycle. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at nostalgia and it's like really just, it's Americana collecting. And I don't, it's interesting when you talk to them, if it's not trading cards, it's coins and, and like Funko pops. But I really think that the people are generated no matter who you are, how much money you have. When you open a pack of cards, it brings you back to childhood. And it's a bonding experience. And I saw a lot of that with, if you bring in athletes um, and they're, they, wow, he collects cards too. That's amazing. He and I are the same. And it's just, the community is small, but it's really, uh, it's, it's an interesting um, mix of people. And they, they do an awesome job at thinking about their childhood and, and getting back into the game and, you know, embracing the new changes. And so I find that food and collectibles have that same emotional attachment that people will have a favorite food because when they were a kid, that's where their grandfather took them for ice cream or hamburger, or whatever the food is, or a city that they lived in during college. And it's always funny to see the outside person, the perceived value is completely a differential, right? Someone will take you, you gotta go to my favorite place in Columbus, Ohio, cause I went to Ohio State and you're like, this sucks. But there's <laughs> obviously some emotional attachment. Um, we used to start just in sports and coins that that would, I think, take the entire industry. It seems that there's so many more things that we can collect today as well and authenticate uh, how and what really determines 
that you know pokemon phenomenon that exists and i think will continue to exist because people now can connect the dots backwards yeah um nostalgia drives most collecting in my experience um both personally but with psa and pcgs our grading brands you know um everything i collect is things that i wish i owned as a kid uh, i couldn't afford um it it are it's things that i saw in a card shop my office i've recreated the card shop that i used to go to as a kid you know with so the, cool. but i mean and i'm not unique i mean i think a lot of people and nostalgia is extremely powerful we all want to be kids again you know and that's it's a it's a um, sometimes expensive way to you know create that connection back to your happiest you know if you will uh you know pure happiness as a 12 year old um and so that that's a big part of it we see it with coins we it's more investing you know prospecting i think with precious metals um but stamps i think comic books i mean it's all centered in our experience uh on nostalgia it drives a lot for us at least yeah and brian you're taking authentication to the next level and you've really looked into the critical business issues behind it beyond the great capacity of your business at collectibles uh, collector sorry and what are some of the aspects that Ludix that they specifically differentiate themselves because there's actually some business beyond actually the digital recognition there's data and also integration involved yeah so it, the you know the the journey of Ludix um was a long one and grueling and I owe it everything I owe that Ludex is is to my team. I mean, I was blessed with people who believed in the vision, who worked who worked hard, who are more talented than I. And um I subscribe to the old, you know, if there's a smarter person next to you that can do the job, I want all That's why I'm here people. with you two. <laughs> yeah. The smartest one in the room, you're in the wrong room. I'm in the right room. So thanks for joining me, by the way. <laughs> And so, so yeah, the technology was really hard. It's, it was way harder of an ish, of a problem to solve than I initiated. So being an entrepreneur and having some being naive is sometimes helpful. Um, if I would have known everything, I probably wouldn't have done it. So, um, but yeah, it was the technology um, and getting the parallels. Like that was it. I knew. I told my investors, if we don't get the parallels, we all lose our money. If we can get the parallels and train us and build our own database on that then I think we can change an industry. And now we're connecting, we're gonna come out in August with a eBay connector. I showed Nat um, before this meeting. I think that's gonna be super powerful. I think it can grow the hobby um, and bring in collectors that have you know been dormant for quite a while. Yeah, the ease that's created and the efficiencies of creating a marketplace, which you guys are the backbone of the marketplace. Um, to that end, when you're analyzing the space now, you've done some of the biggest deals in this space as far as buying and selling the actual companies themselves. Um, how do you separate your passion and emotion when we're talking in the billions of dollars to identify the real business compared to a lot of fluff and uh, vapor, which always exists in technology? Yeah, um, I mean, in our case, so when myself and our investor group, we wanted to acquire Collector's Universe. I mean, it was a publicly traded company with audited. I mean, we knew the finance extremely well. You know what we were buying. Um, we didn't know how bad of a problem they had as far as um, under capacity, if you will. So, which is a good thing. Uh, still a problem, and we yeah. we closed down for a year. 
you know, we had to turn customers away to competitors and, you know, wow. for, for over a year actually. So it was, a, it was still a very big problem. And, um, so for us, you know, it was a, uh, big leap of, of, I would say faith. I agree with Brian, like our team, I mean, I know nothing about operations. I'm a tech guy and we had, we've done a lot on the tech side, but our biggest accomplishment, our team was the increase in capacity, which is an operational, mostly there's tech involved, but in that short period of time, it was very operational. So, um, you, there's no vaporware in ops. Like you can't fake your way <laughs> to capacity Trust or, me. Yeah, or scale. Good at. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like you, you know, it's, it's just, there's no way around it. You could kind of do that in tech, but not in ops. And so that, that's the way we've thought of collectors is, you know, let's just frankly shut down for a year, tell everybody we're closed and just fix our, uh, fix our shop and, and, you know, scale. We had to acquire a few companies that we talked about earlier, you know, card ladder is a good example that brought data into, um, into the four walls that allowed us to provide better services to the customers. We bought an AI grading company to help with some of the scalability of grading. Um, but you know, there is in any, in any industry, there's vaporware. Um, yeah. I find less of it in cards because we're all so passionate and like, I'm sure Brian and I, if part of my language, like if, if a startup comes to us, we're like, well, that's bullshit. Like there's no way <laughs> right. you're doing that. You know what I mean? Like it, it's very easy to sniff it out um, because we're all so passionate. Um, the ones that aren't passionate about the cards, but they're doing a startup within two seconds, you realize that, oh, that's just probably not much there. So in looking and analyzing from my perspective as a business person and cross industries, which was one of the luxuries of I have from the exposure of, you know, at the highest level, getting to meet people like you in different industries. I'd like to ask both both of you something that I see trending and it applies to uh, live and real things. So there's been an incredible interest, for example, in Taylor Swift. And I believe that part and parcel, all of the AI, all of the virtual access, all of the community building things that occur through artificial or virtual data, intelligence, exposure, awareness, and construct are enhancing anything real. And eventually because of the deep fake and the copyability and the duplication that is occurring via technology, that people are gonna to wanna to more and more either know it's real without a doubt or touch and feel it and mm -hmm. see it in person. Mm -hmm. So for example, as a speaker, that's a really big deal mm -hmm. because people or an entertainer, they're going to want to see you in person and the football stadiums are going to fill up again, like beyond belief because there's a need for that. Mm -hmm. How does that apply? Yeah, obviously to authenticating to, to guarantee it's real, but actually still the value is, and I felt it here because I you know love collecting cards that even, you know, I'm going to say this and Gary's going to kill me. Like, the stupid V friends card that Gary signed for me, I felt my adrenaline pump up once I held it, <laughs> right? Instead of my V friends NFT that I own, it gave me no surge of, of anxiety of, or thrill. How important is the real aspect of touching and feeling things? Well, I think, I mean, everyone wants to feel human, right? And feel alive and feel like, you know, a part of something. AI diminishes a lot of that. And we can we created AI, the vision AI, so it's a little different than you know the the chat uh, GPT. But I see that I see a human beings being alive and passionate and feeling that, and and therefore there's always a yin and yang. And 
a lot of times what we think is going to happen on the one side, it actually grows the other side. And I do agree with you. I think it's going it, it, to it's going to be a whole uh, revolution on wanting to see real stuff. And yeah, we have a we're kind of like the anti NFT company. <laughs> we, we love Arby's. This is going to sound funny, but, you know, when everyone was doing the impossible burgers and all that, you know, Arby's came out and they're like, no, we are the beef company. You know, right. and like we have the beef. There's we are not where you go to get, you know, this <laughs> yeah. new thing. And, and that we kind of feel that same way. We're like, hey, we're not the company if you care about NFTs. You know, it's it's we're the physical collectibles. Hold it in your hands. Trading card coin video game whatever you know if you have something you what you cherish it you want to see if it's real you want to maybe grade it so you can sell it whatever you know that's what we're about and we've been asked and pushed you know to have the psa brand on you know nfts and yeah board i just don't understand it and maybe i'm old now you know but like i just <laughs> try being me buddy <laughs> <laughs> i just don't get it at all um and that's fine you know and right. and you know i see kids walking around with their avatar and the stuff on their phone or their nfts but yeah i just i think the physical nature of cards and coins and collectibles is actually what's beautiful about it so yeah yeah and now figuring out what's next um not necessarily essential in either of your business because you're going to react to what's next and be able to do what you do to what's next. But I find it, you know, really curious as someone who you said, well, I'm getting old, you know, I've had relationship with shoe companies forever and no pun intended, but I'm seriously kicking myself. Uh, when you think like the head of Nike, uh, football was our client, he played football and the amount of, you know, Jordans I could have collected over the years <laughs> if I only knew uh, that a pair of shoes could be worth, you know, $5,000. Um, I'm trying to figure out, looking at and studying human nature, how and why something like tennis shoes would have it. You talked about nostalgia. Well, people are nostalgic about different things. Communities are siloed today. Um, so where do you see the next big collectible property nostalgic a thematic thing to collect that's a tough one <laughs> i mean we're seeing yeah I'm we're seeing, we're seeing it right after this show this, so it's, just this, tell me this isn't super <laughs> unique but i mean you got to look at what so it, generally 25 years is how long it takes for something to become vintage okay so think about like a car the value decreases for 25 years uh, steadily and then you know 25 years later like hey you know what the camaro 1999 <laughs> or whatever 1998 like, I bet you, you know, if you look, the prices start going up. You right. see the same in cards, um, you know, 25 years ago. Like, you never could have told me that 80s wax and 90s basketball would be worth what they are today. But guess what? 25 years later, this stuff is now starting to become vintage. And it's, and so you look at that. And so Pokemon, what year did it come out? 1999. Why is it going crazy now? 25 years. So you kind of look at those trends. And so just go around and look at what the kids were collecting 20 years ago. And, you know, in my opinion, you know, in the next five once years, again, I should have the Jerry Maguire collection 25 years yeah. ago. People be going crazy. You had a lot slipping right through your fingers. Exactly. <laughs> and it'll continue because uh, it's yeah. a intelligent. How about you, Brian? What do you what do you see? I, lo I love that as an indicator. Yeah, I think I mean, I there's the industry as a whole, I think. NFT, I agree with Nat, and I don't understand the NFTs. I didn't, never did. I never bought one. Um, I think 
we have the ability with fanatics coming into the, the industry to really revolutionize everything. And I think it's going to be good for the hobby. Um, and I think it's going to uh, create a better experience for shows. I think um, it, the brand is recognizable worldwide. So what I'm excited about is really like the global reach that I think Fanatics is going to lend and, uh, you know, elevating shows. I love we, we created an interactive map for this this show, which is great. And uh, but there's going to be so much more of that technology that comes in. So I'm excited about I think shows are going to really become like concerts and you know, like last stuff. question. Um, one thing I do know is marketplaces and I understand two sided marketplaces and how to build a market or around something. If you have the emotional attachment, whether it be from a 25 year nostalgic perspective or just a mass uh, inertia that has occurred from some point in the past, like tennis shoes, uh, that may have a tie-in to a certain brand. Um, to that end, uh, the business itself relies upon uh, the marketplace, and I believe technology, the one thing that bodes really well for both of you, is I believe that we have not seen, this is still pre-chasm, people do not understand the size, scope, and scale of the marketplace. And I built my personal brand as a middle-aged mutant turtle, understanding how big the the scope is so like in everyone else's perspective like how the hell do you have a couple million people that are in your community you because i understand that we're early on that marketplace i love your perspective on how big do you think we're early right now or you know have we seen all the growth that's possible in the space what do you mean by marketplace buyers and sellers but for cards or for any collectibles for, for anything because you, you you and i both know right it'll be what's next as well as what yeah. already exists in my opinion i mean you guys are doing a lot of this is reducing friction i think there's a lot of pent-up um transaction volume that is sitting at people's houses it's sitting in closets it's sitting garages, garages. yeah it's <laughs> Grading's a part of it, but a bigger part of it is just what do I own and what is it worth? Is it worth grading? Is it what is it worth selling? Is it worth putting on eBay? Is it worth the shipping? What, you know, all that friction uh, is there and, and it holds back a lot of uh, marketplace activity. Um, we see it a lot at PSA and PCGS. You know, most of the time, if someone's grading something, it's because they intend to sell it. And so that's, we see those, those questions like, and you show me the eBay connector, like how do, what's the quickest way I can get this card or coin on eBay. And currently it takes weeks, months, you know, from sending it in for submission, getting it back, deciding who to sell it through, creating an eBay account and then shipping it, then maybe getting paid, maybe not. And then, you know, and so then getting your paper, it's, there's so much uh, friction there. So I think there's, you know, multiples, uh, five, six times, you know, like there's just, it's out there. It just hasn't been unlocked. So I agree with that. I mean, well, your we, business is based on. Yeah, it is. We've done a lot <laughs> of, too. A lot, yeah, of right. a lot of data. Um, it there's whatever people think it's five, six times, 10 times. Um, I believe that knowledge is power, right? That's a pretty simple concept. But if you give people knowledge and confidence, they will then grade a card. They will then buy cards and and. Ludex, what we want to do is empower the collector by giving them as much information at their fingertips that's ever existed in the history of this this industry. And I think with that, it could go, it, it, I don't even know where it can go, but it's really big. 
Oh, I can't wait because 19 years from now, the David Meltzer 10 rated PSA baseball card mm-hmm. is going to be worth a fortune. Just, there's exceptions to every <laughs> oh, there is. Uh, Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell Mickey Mantle that. Anyway, uh, I am no Mickey Mantle, but these guys certainly are in their space. Thank you so much, Brian, Nat, for joining me. This is Dave Meltzer live at the National here with Entrepreneurs, The Playbook.